The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. A man came up to Jesus and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and perverse generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move hence to yonder place, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. The Gospel of the Lord. So it's an interesting association of uh, readings again today. So in Matthew's Gospel, we've jumped over the transfiguration. And so the Lord has gone up uh, the mountain and he's been transfigured in his glory before his disciples. He's showed them things that are of heaven, and immediately after they uh, come down from this mountain, from seeing this glory, from seeing this radiance, from seeing the beauty and wonder of God, they are immediately immersed back in uh, to demonic activity and to evil. So they move from the top of the mountain uh, down into the valley, and so it represents, in a certain sense, the incarnation of Christ as he leaves the glory of heaven and as he comes in the incarnation that he might be in our midst and also in order to heal us and deliver us from evil and from sin. And so the Lord comes down, uh, and what's interesting is there is a tying together in the petition of the Father to what the Lord has just said on the mountain. He's spoken to his disciples about not saying anything, but also he's just previously spoken to them about the necessity of the Son of Man to suffer, and to suffer terribly. And then what happens is that this Father comes and says, uh, Lord, have mercy on my Son, for he suffers terribly. And so you can see that the Lord does want to heal this. He is also participating in our sufferings in a very real way. He takes on himself our sufferings, and he becomes the son that suffers terribly for the deliverance of his people from evil. And so it has, in a certain sense, a prefiguration of his passion and death. But what's interesting is that when the Lord comes down the mountain, uh, the man comes up to him, and he begins his petition as all prayer should begin. Lord, have mercy. When we start the Mass, that's how we begin the Mass. The words in the Greek are literally Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. And so we begin all of our prayers as we should with Lord, an acclamation of who he is, an act of adoration, an act of reverence, but then also acknowledging who we are. Have mercy, have mercy. We are sinners, we are undeserving. So Lord, have mercy is a very good way for us to begin prayer. Kyrie eleison. And we begin the Mass in that way. Our first act of the Mass is recollecting ourselves in terms of our sin, acknowledging who we stand in the presence of and who we are who stand in His presence. 
So Lord have mercy. But then also he does not just say these things, he also enacts his prayer. His prayer is something that he lives. It says that he comes and he kneels before Jesus. So even his bodily disposition matches that which is his interior disposition. He kneels humbly in the presence of the Lord. Even his body manifests uh, what he believes about the one whom he is kneeling in the presence of. And then he says, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic. In the Greek, it is a lunatic, right? So it means it was quite literally what they thought in that time was that these people were affected by the different uh, phases of the moon, right? So in a certain sense, it's a medical diagnosis of what is a spiritual problem. And that is a complicated thing, especially in our own day and age, right? How do we diagnose what's medical? How do we diagnose what's spiritual? Often it can be a mix and a blend of the both. Um, but especially when we're dealing with what we see here, um, it says that he is an epileptic. Uh, he suffers terribly. So it's a medical diagnosis, not yet acknowledging a spiritual problem. And says, for he often fa falls into the fire and into the water. And so the church fathers, they point out the fact that the fire and the water are opposing elements, extremes, right? So it shows in a certain sense, it represents uh, a life of vice and not of virtue. Vice is always in the extreme. Virtue is always in the middle. And so it represents in a spiritual sense, a life of vice, those things which exist in the extremes. And it says, I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And so here is maybe where the prayer uh, starts to fall apart. All of a sudden, it's someone else's fault. Someone else's fault. I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And so sometimes that can also creep into our prayer, which is we can forget what is our own uh, participation maybe in the situations in which we find ourselves. So sometimes we're asking the Lord to deliver us from situations that we have created. <laughs> and so Jesus answered, and his answer now goes beyond simply the man who is petitioning him. It goes even to his disciples. And it's the same thing that God says to the Israelite people when they're on the mountain, when they lose faith with him. He says, O faithless and perverse generation. And so what the Lord does now is he manifests that this is the same God who is present to his people, who also spoke to his people through Moses. So this is the same God now who is present, who doesn't have a mediator anymore between himself and his people, but stands before them present in the flesh. And so he says, O faithless and perverse generation, how long am I to be with you? This is a common theme throughout the Gospels when the Lord expresses a frustration at a lack of faith, but that the lack of faith is that they still do not yet believe in the one who is present in their midst in terms of who he is and what he is able to do. And also that sometimes he is the last resort instead of being the first one to whom we turn when we have any issue, right? So we see this as well when the Lord is on, when the disciples are in the midst of the storm. They try everything else and then eventually when the Lord is sleeping, they wake him up in a panic. He's their last resort. And so he says to them, why, O oh, you men of little faith, why are you afraid? And so again, they've allowed themselves to get this to the state of frenzy before they will actually ask the Lord himself to do anything. And so that seems to be part of the problem, which is also what the Lord is saying here. O oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long am I to be with you? I am the solution. 
Why am I the last resort? Why do you not come to me first? Why was this not the first thing that you did? And so in a certain sense, one of the commentators says that this is a rebuke to the man himself who should have just simply brought the son to Jesus. But it is also a rebuke in a certain sense to the disciples. Again, a rebuke to them saying that your role is to bring souls to me, to bring souls to me, to bring the needy to me, to bring the suffering to me. This is the role of the disciple, a mediator between human need and human suffering and Jesus who is the source. And as we celebrate today uh, the commemoration of Our Lady, she is the one who perfectly embodies this. We see that at the wedding feast of Cana, that's exactly what she does. When there is human need, the first person she speaks to is her son. They have no wine. And then when she speaks to those who actually have the need, all she says is, do whatever he tells you. So she is this perfect mediatrix between human need and Christ himself. And so that is what we are called to do. How long am I to be with you? God himself is present in our midst. He is the source of grace, the source of healing, the source of everything. And so the one who is present in our midst, he should be our first point of recourse. And this applies then, just to close, obviously, as always, to the Eucharist. Jesus, who is present in our midst. And the Lord could say the same thing to our generation. Are we faithless and perverse, meaning do we deviate from him and not come to him first? Or is he our first point of contact? When we have an issue, do we come and kneel in his presence and bring everything to him, the one who is able to do everything, the one who is that source of grace and love and life? Amen.